0: Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Morning Devotion. Yes, in the background, you can probably hear my coffee pot gurgling and making all sorts of noise. I really apologize for that, but wow, it's smelling so good. I'm telling you, you could probably scratch this screen right now and smell the aroma of that coffee. It smells so good. But anyway, i I, I did not get the coffee ready for my wife. So she's probably not even going to be on here today. She may be lethargic. I, I don't know, but I'm happy you're here and I hope you've had your coffee this morning. I, I woke up early this morning, just, just basking in the presence of the Lord, and thanking God for a great move of the Spirit last night, a truly genuine work of the Holy Ghost. And I pray that you're living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and seeing some amazing things happen. Welcome, morning devotees. Don, you were the first. You were the first that I saw today. David, it's good to see you. Thank you for the work that you do. Tricia, thank you for being here. Mary, Patty, all of you. Sandra, it's good to see you. I I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing in our midst. Remaining Pentecostal, six works of the Spirit. I don't know, six works, six words. I really debated that this morning, but alas, I had not had any coffee. And so the creativity was gone. This is the MD family, morning devotion family. We meet here Monday through Friday, rain or shine, sleet or snow, power or no power. Well, we need power to do this devotion. So I guess we still meet here staring around empty screens when there's no power, but I'm happy to see you. And thank you for being a part of this, doing life together and just strengthening one another, encouraging one another and seeing the great things happening in your personal life and in your family, those you love, your church family. So thank you for being here. Joy, Sharon, Bridget, thank you. I'm thankful for what God is doing. I read something a few years back and I want to, it was on my heart this morning and I want to share it with you and let it sort of be the launching pad for today's subject. I read that the only way church buildings stay filled through generations is if the church lives and dies and is born again over and over. And soon we realize the church is not the same church it was 20 years ago or even four years ago. To make the kind of impact in human history that God desires, we must find our fulfillment and the rightness of this life cycle. In the end, the writer said, it's not so much about prolonging or perpetuating our own life as it is about giving life to others. The truth is, if churches wait too long to die to themselves, then they ensure they will die by themselves. In other words, the writer was saying, we choose sentiment our significance. We choose to be a people that's constantly being born again, or we end up dying alone. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. It's important to remember and i I remind people this often, I have to remind myself of this often of this so often in the process of us living, dying, and being born again, we should always remain true to what the first church in the book of Acts was, and hopefully always will be remaining. Pentecostal, six works of the spirit. I may use the phrase Pentecostal. You don't know what it is. I hope you do by the time we're through here today. Zerubbabel was given a task, a seemingly impossible task to restore a work of God. In Zechariah 4, 6, this is the word of the Lord that came to that Babylon born man, not by might nor by power. But by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. In other words, in this rebuilding, in this process of living, dying, and being born again, always remember, it's a work of the spirit. It's through the spirit that it happens. Accept the Lord, build the house. Can I get a witness to that, Glenn? Catherine, can I just get a witness to that, Rebecca? What does it mean? What does it mean to be Pentecostal, much less remain Pentecostal? Our forefathers were adamant. Okay, I'm. Mean, it, it, it's quiz time. It's quiz time with the devotees. It's quiz time. How many of you grew up hearing what I'm about to say? We don't hear this much anymore. That Pentecost is not a denomination. It is an experience. How many of you heard that? Did you hear that growing up in this thing? Our forefathers were just absolutely adamant. It's not an organization. It's not just a fellowship. It's not a denomination. Pentecost, Pentecostalism. It's an experience with God and it's an ongoing work. I wouldn't say it's just a single experience. It's an ongoing work of the spirit in our lives. You see, a little over a century ago, a wave of God's spirit float around the world. I speak about it in the book on prayer. It touched a a Welsh coal miner named Evan Roberts. And through him and others, there was a, a provocation for a number of revivals. Interest in this revival came to the United States in the form of men like Parham, Goss, Bartleman. As they searched after God, modern Pentecost was reborn from such humble beginnings. People yearned for the same power. And the same fellowship experiences, experienced by those first Christians two millennia prior. They sought to restore what had been lost, to go back, to go forward and to keep it from happening, to keep it from happening that we cease to be Pentecostal. We've got to constantly die to our own concepts and our ways to be born again and again of the spirit. Just like our forefathers were, within my heart is a desire that we encounter anew the meaning of Pentecost. Not so that we can put a label on it, not so that we can distinguish ourselves from other people, not so we can get proud in what we call ourselves, but in rekindling the passion for God and what he called us to do. For without the fires of a Pentecostal experience, church is nothing more than being nice girls and boys for Jesus, without the fires of Pentecost. We're left abandoned, but with it, we have the timeless resources, the supplies of the Holy Ghost, empowering us to be witnesses to his life, his love, his change in people's life. It was in Zerubbabel's vision of rebuilding the temple. An angel instructed him, "You, you tell every builder, It's not going to be by your mind. It's not going to be by your power, not your talent, charisma, intellect, wealth. No, it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. How do you stay in touch with that first century church? How do you remain Pentecostal? I think it's through memory first. Remember, we are spirit born. The church was born on a Jewish feast day called Pentecost. Uh, Indeed, the first church. The early church was Pentecostal. The word Pentecost means 50. The 50th day from Passover, the church was born. The church formed on that day with a fiery outburst of the Holy Spirit. Cloven tongues, like as a fire, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Notice the inclusivity. They were all filled with the Spirit commanded. They've been commanded by Jesus. You tarry in that upper room until the promise of the father comes. And when the promise of the father comes, you're going to have power. And so they waited until the day of Pentecost was fully come and it happened. And they spoke with new tongues, that early church baptized in the saving name of Jesus. They believed in the mighty God in Christ. And they they loved one another with a fervency, and they turned their world upside down. They obeyed the commands of Christ. Acts 1-8 mandate that took the gospel to their Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And what was the cause of it? Not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. I believe to grasp that, morning devotion, to grasp that. We, we, we've got to have to go back to the book of Acts. We have to go back to the touchstone where it all started, to the fountain of where this early church began. If we're going to remain Pentecostal, we need to know what early Pentecost was all about. We need to know that it's more than just the scrapbooks of previous generations. It's more than just the abandoned songbooks of 50, 60 years ago. It's more than the old hymns. It's it's more than what we experienced as a child. It goes far, far back into the centuries of day gone by, into the fire, the fire that poured out on that upper room. I want to study. I want to study the six works of the Spirit. Yeah, you're going to have to help me. Oh, scribes, Yolanda, some of you are going to have to help me. I, I don't know. Our faithful scribe, Tessie, has not had her morning coffee yet. Let's give it up for our faithful scribes in the MD family. <laughs> and so She's probably not going to help us. But, oh, we need this fire. You ready? I want to give you six words that are used in the book of Acts. Six words that reveal six words of the, the Spirit, six works of the Spirit and how you and I remain Pentecostal. Everybody ready? Everybody ready? Here we go. The first word, Acts 1-5, we are baptized in the spirit. The word is transliterated from the Greek word baptizo. It means to be immersed, to fully plunged. Yeah. In ancient times, it it was actually used to describe the sinking of a ship, the drowning of an individual, the dying of a garment. God saturates people he immerses them with his presence. He desires for us to open up all the chambers of our heart. He wants to flood our lives with his presence. There needs to be a deluge of deity. Oh my, that's some pretty good alliteration for not having any coffee. A deluge of deity that comes into the vacuum of our lives. That just as a garment is dipped in dye and comes up different, God's spirit changes us, we are baptized. That's the first word, baptized. Here's the second word, Acts 1 8, we receive his presence, receive. Jesus told his disciples, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, receive. Greek word lambano, it means to hold, take hold of something, just as Jacob took hold of a promise of a future of a purpose that only God could give him. God then changed his name and his nature. We take hold of what the spirit is doing. That's how we receive. We take hold of things. Ian Bounds, I quote him a lot in the book on prayer. He wrote a lot about prayer in the civil war. He once said the men who had done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees He who fritters away the early morning, he wrote, its opportunity, its freshness, in other pursuits than seeking God will make poor headway seeking him the rest of the day. Behind this early rising and early praying, there is the ardent desire which presses us into this pursuit after God. A desire for God, folks, it will break the chains of weakness. It will break the chains of sleep. A a desire for God will take hold, we will receive God's promise that his spirit's gonna be poured out on all flesh and we will not rest until we see it happen. A desire for God to take hold, to receive that power from on high and we'll use it to touch others. If we're gonna remain Pentecost, we've got to receive his promises. We've got to tarry until. And then here's the third word. The third word, baptize, receive. Here's the third word. The Holy Spirit comes upon us, Acts 1a. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That word means to overtake you. When you are filled with the Spirit, you are overtaken by the purpose and mind of Christ. His compassion burns within you. His desires become your um, that word similar. That word is similar to another phrase used in twenty four, saying to be endued, or clothed with power from on high. When God's spirit is pursued, He is found of us. He clothes us, wraps us, permits us to do things we couldn't do. To encourage, prophesy, deliver, preach, pray for the sick. Here's the fourth word: we are filled with His spirit. Acts two four. This word field, pleru, is, is never used in the Greek except to mean overflow. It means more than enough. It means to be, to tap into a fountain that never runs dry, to have deep wells springing up inside of us. Paul Paul told the church in Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit. Be constantly in the state of being filled and filled again with the Spirit. Hey, if you're going to remain, hey, Ho Kirk, c l why vet if we're going to remain pentecostal boy oh i'm I'm about to get in trouble oh, I'm about to get in trouble here if we're going to remain Pentecostal, being filled with the spirit can't be a date on a certificate from years gone by. it's to be filled and filled again and renewed in his. Presence. It can't just be, I received the baptism of the spirit back in, I don't know, 1642. No, it's got to be, I received the baptism of the spirit five minutes ago before I started this morning devotion to be filled with the spirit. Kimmy and Wendy and Victor, it's my prayer that you're constantly filled with the spirit. The great apostle Paul wanted us to know our sufficiency is not in ourselves. But it's the spirit of God welling up within us that we pray in the spirit. He He said, you need to sing in the spirit. You need to rejoice in the spirit, worship in the spirit, walk in the spirit, be led of the spirit, receive the abundance of the spirit. This is the spirit things, folks. To me, it's probably one of the most pathetic things at the close of a service to see a few people come forward, and the majority drifting around the edges as if to say, well, whatever happened just wasn't for me. I think we need to get a handle on the pump of the Spirit and say, fill me, God. Fill me, God. Yes, to be filled. Here's the fifth word, Acts 2.17, the Spirit is poured out on us. I love that expression. It's poured out on us. On the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter quoted Joel. He said the Holy Ghost would be poured out, an intentional, directed flow, poured out upon all flesh. In other words, with God, there's always a purpose to the power. When, when he moves by the Spirit, there's always direction to it. God knows what he's doing. Have you ever stood? I I'll never forget going uh one day, there was a there was a overflow. There was an overflow on Lake Travis just west of Austin and the lake had been so filled, so much rain, and and uh, went down below the spillway of the dam there, and the gates of the dam were open, and and uh, most dams uh, are there to pr- uh, not just to protect livelihood and livestock and property downstream, but to pr- generate electricity. And as you see those gates open and the water f- uh, falls out, and there's a roar. The purpose of the spillway is not to generate a roar. The purpose behind that thunderous sound is to generate power that will bless people miles away. By releasing the potential within the dam, energy is channeled. I love the sounds of Pentecost. I love the noise and the thunder and the worship. But folks, it's not just about the noise. It's about the power behind the noise that is to be poured out on all flesh. As we are filled with his spirit, there are rivers of living water moving through us. And it's not just about the sound of speaking in another tongue. It's not just about the shouting and the worshiping and the mighty praises of God. No, it's about the power behind it all and how it's going to bless others. Then the sixth word, The sixth word and the sixth work of the Spirit, and I'm not saying each of these six are different. They're just different ways of expressing the same thing. This moving of the Spirit in you, this sixth word is found in Acts 10.44, that the Holy Spirit falls upon us. I love the imagery of Yosemite, what you see over my shoulder, uh, uh, the fire just falling upon us. It's one of the most lovely ideas of the spirit formed church is that the spirit falls on us. Do you remember the story of the prodigal when the boy returned to his father's house? The Bible says the father met him and fell on his neck. Same word, embraced him. It means to rush upon, cease, to fall upon. Do you remember the setting in Acts 10 where that phrase is used? A good man named Cornelius had prayed a lot, given a lot. Heaven wasn't going to ignore him any longer, even though he was a Gentile. He was out of season. Simon Peter went to his house, and while he was preaching, the Holy Ghost fell on them, rushed in with great affection, fell on the neck of Cornelius and on the household, and swooped them into the arms of grace, such that the preacher couldn't finish. The Spirit of the Lord was so ready. The prodigal couldn't finish His planned speech of repentance. The father was so ready to forgive. In Acts 19, the Lord permitted the apostle Paul to rebaptize some followers of John the Baptist in the name of Jesus Christ and lay his hands on them. And the Bible says in Acts 19, the Holy Spirit fell on them. You get this picture that I'm trying to paint. The book of Acts is trying to paint. This church is not about man's effort. It's about an outpouring. Of the spirit of God. Yeah, you've got to remember. You have to remember we're spirit born. That's how you remain Pentecostal. And then the second thing you've got to recognize, there is a tendency for us to lose that spiritual emphasis. It's not by might. It's not the might of intellect, not by power, not through force of speech and persuasion or politics. It's by the spirit. But it's so easy to lose that spiritual emphasis. And over time, those who lean on the spirit can quickly learn to lean on the arm of the flesh. We began in the spirit, but somehow we get sidetracked. And that's the temptation I believe every child of God faces, is that we begin in the spirit, but we get drawn away. As the Galatians, having begun in the spirit, having begun in the spirit, we think we're made perfect by the flesh. That somehow the flesh is going to dictate this. The flesh is going to control this. Whatever success you and I have, it's not come through the flesh. It's not come through eloquence and savvy, but it's come through the gracious hand of the almighty God and the moving of the spirit. And so Anna and Sister Lee, we've got to recommit to this constant thirsting for the spirit. This church was promised the Spirit in Acts 1. They received it in Acts 2 and Acts 4. However, when controversy arose, opposition arose, they sought to be filled again with the Spirit and the boldness came back. If we are to remain Pentecostal, we better get the Spirit focus centered in our heart. The baptism of the spirit, the initial baptism with the initial evidence of speaking in tongues, but the ongoing evidence of the working of the fruit and the gifts in our lives. The work of the spirit has got to be permitted. The early church, they were commanded. I love, I love three expressions used in the early church. Grieve not the spirit, resist not the spirit, and quench not the spirit. To remain Pentecostal, true to the first century church and the Lord who died to give us this glorious body of Christ. We need to give sway to the moving of the spirit and welcome the Holy Spirit in our midst, honor his sovereignty in our lives each morning. And I believe that's what we do. Mike, Lynn, Gail, I believe this is what we do with morning devotion. We get up hungry and thirsty for the presence of God, and the moving of his spirit, We want to be vessels and channels of the spirit all throughout this Thursday, June the 3rd. We want to be instruments in his hands. Yes. Through the years, I've noticed, I've noticed, we have a choice. You and I have a choice. We choose sentiment or we choose significance. If you choose sentiment, you'll grow stagnant. If you choose significance, you will be born again and again, or you will choose to die alone. It was in the end of the Romanov dynasty in Russia. There's a story told that a czar in the early 20th century asked a soldier who stood guard on a certain spot, Why? Why do you stand guard in this particular location? It really made no strategic sense for the man to stand there. The soldier said he'd been ordered to stand there, as had generations of soldiers before them. Further inquiry revealed that, I don't know, 125, 150 years before, Catherine the Great had on that very spot seen the first flower of spring. Been a long, cold winter. And Catherine was so enthused to see the first flower, she ordered a soldier to stand guard over the flower, lest that flower get trampled underfoot. The flower, of course, faded and disappeared within weeks. But over a century later, a guard still stood where the flower had once been. At one time, at one time, where he stood was spring, a change is ceasing. It could have been defined by where the guard post was posted in the courtyard, that a flower had first appeared. Over time, however, nobody even knew what it meant. It was sentiment without significance. It seems to me, hey, morning devotion group, John, Don, Edna, Tiffany, seems to me We guard the wrong things. We seek to protect the passing and we lose sight of what it means. We guard symbols and not substance. We guard form and not power. We lose the reality of what being Pentecostal means. To say we are Pentecostal means very little. To be Pentecostal means much. Paul reminded Timothy in his last letter, Stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. God's not given you a spirit of fear, but a power in love and a sound mind. Let's stir up that gift. Oh, praise God. Would you leave a few prayer requests? Take a moment to share this with someone else. I pray. I pray. I pray that you pray in the spirit today. I pray that you sing, not just with your understanding but sing in the spirit. I pray that you're not led into today by your own thoughts and plans, but God takes hold of you and leads you by his spirit into a beautiful, beautiful day. May God be with you. Thank you for sharing in this morning devotion. Share this with others. Like, share, follow the page tomorrow morning. Let's go. Let's live a life today in the spirit.